The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You are listening to the Hey Blue Umpire Podcast for umpires by an umpire. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek.com, the SeatGeek app. Use promo code 1420POD. That's 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today to save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase. Yesterday, I was joined uh, by TikTok star and fellow umpire, the tattooed of. He was gracious enough to uh, to come on the show for a little bit. We had some technical issues, so this show's a little bit different, but we got the uh, the meat and potatoes uh, of the show uh on here, on on record here to, to have a, a nice little chat with the, the tattooed um, from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We talked about his early years umpiring a little bit, what he got out of it, how he got into going, the way he progressed and how he got his his name, the tattooed ump and things going. But we, we got cut a little short and my, my, on my end on the beginning, so that's why I have a different intro today. But it was a, it was a good chat anyways. We're going to have him on later on in the baseball season to see how things are going with the tattooed ump. Uh, make sure you guys follow him on TikTok. He's got a lot of great videos out there. He doesn't need my help. I need his help more than he needs mine to uh, to spread the, the word of umpiring out there. But it was a, a nice chat about umpiring with the tattooed ump. Thank you very much once again for coming on the show. So that's why it's a different in- intro today. Make sure you guys follow him on. He's on Instagram and Facebook. And like I said, TikTok, he's got uh, millions of views and the whole bit. So it was uh, it was good that he took some time out of his busy day uh, to, to, get on the, to, to come on with us and talk some umpiring. So uh, make sure you guys have a listen to the show. It was a, a good, good conversation, like I said. But I didn't get to end off with the... Uh, the extra innings, like I had some good questions for him, but we'll have him on later on in, in the uh, in the summer to talk some umpiring. Thank you very much once again to the Tattooed Up. Hey, Blue. We are the Baseball Umpires Podcast for umpires by an umpire. We are more than just balls and strikes and outs and saves. Listen in for tips, rule interpretations, equipment and attire reviews, interviews with umpires of all levels, and some funny stories that might come up every time out on the baseball field. If you're new to the field as an umpire or a seasoned vet in the world of umpiring, then this is the podcast for you. Hey Blue, the Umpire Podcast is part of the 1420 Sports Bar group of podcasts on the Belly Up Network. Back to the Hey Blue Umpire Podcast, Umpire uh, Podcast for Umpires by an Umpire, joined again by the Tattooed Ump. Uh, you got you get going at a young age, eleven years old, and you said you're you're umpiring guys uh, were 14, 15 years old when you were when you were uh, around their same age. Uh, when did you like? When did you say, yeah, I I can really do this. I want to make a goal of it. I'm going to be on the field for a long time. And what was the uh, the one thing that you you really took to heart when you were when you were that age and said, yeah, I I, I can do this. this is something I, I see myself doing for a long time. Uh. I actually had a baseball scholarship coming out of high school. Um, I didn't, I didn't take it. My grandfather got lung cancer here in Chattanooga. Um, I stayed here. Uh, I did always want to play in the major leagues, but I mean, I started to notice that your odds are slim to begin with. So, um, anyways, I stayed here and what I did was I actually, um, there was a rookie league umpire or a rookie league baseball league that was here. And, um, I became the assigner for it and the head umpire for it. I recruited umpires. I noticed that I could do this. I was behind the plate calling 85, 90 mile an hour pitches. Like, like it was nothing. Um, so I ended up, uh, I ended up getting 
USSA, I was umpire for them down in Dalton, and I ended up getting turned into uh, a Harry Wendelstead umpire school and Jim Evans umpire school. And the day before my daughter was born in 2009, um, I took a picture of it. That's the only reason I remember the date. I got something from uh, Jim Evans umpire school with a handwritten letter from Jim Evans where he had watched me umpire the uh, World Series down there in um, Wide World of Sports. Um, I go to Florida a couple times a year uh, and call like the really big tournaments. Um, I've been doing that since I was probably 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, so about 14, 15 years. But um, needless to say, that was probably where it was for me that I really realized something. And, um, and then I had a bad knee injury. Uh, I almost cut my leg off of the chainsaw. So I had to take a, uh, a leave of absence. Yeah. I, I was a tree climber when I went umpiring. Yeah. So yeah, I had a bad accident and I took a leave of absence and I came back and here I am today. I mean, I came back a few years ago, obviously, but here I am now. I guess you would say. Um, one thing that I can say is 10 to 15 years ago, uh, you had to be the elite. Like you, you had to be invited to the school. You couldn't just go down there, buy your way in. Um, you couldn't go down there and pay your tuition just to go to the school. You had to be invited. Like there was two different schools and it was like both of them battled uh, on how many umpires they could put into the major leagues each year. And it was like a 99 umpire invitational out of the whole United States. Um, it was different back then. Now um, I do have my shot this year. Um, I get to go to Cincinnati in June, if I'm correct and do the one-day MLB camp, and as long as I make it through that, I'll go to the MLB umpire school uh, for the following season. Yeah, I went to Jim Evans' school in 97. That's us. I got I got a few years on you oh. a little bit, so I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but yeah, I went back there in 97, and, uh, and I had the bug ever since, and it's that kind of deal. Uh, what levels do you mainly do throughout throughout the year? Like, how what, what age groups do you, do, do you normally do? So I typically start beginning of March. Uh, it's rare that I get something in February. Usually if uh, a high school or middle school or somebody needs an umpire that the state will approve without them being a TSSAA umpire. <laughs> um, needless to say, I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, then I would umpire in February, but usually March. Uh, I, I, so I live in Chattanooga. It's rare that I actually, <laughs> I know this sounds crazy because there's probably, there's probably five parks around this area, but it's rare that I call baseball here. Um, I either travel down south, but like this weekend, um, I plan to stop at Lake Point meet up with a bunch of umpires out there. Um, so I'm going to drive down to Emerson. It's about an hour and 10 minutes away from here. Um, but I don't umpire much here. I go to Knoxville, Johnson City. I umpire anywhere from 13U to college baseball. Um, in the summer, 
you know when in the summer after college world series and all that stuff's over and the coach is like hey you're not done playing you got to play summer ball yeah i get those guys yeah, I do. I, that's what I mainly do. I do summer ball and I do uh, JUCO stuff around here. Is mainly what I do. I try. To, uh, it's. Uh, I'm kind of at, at that point. I, I'll, I'll help out with the the 15U, 14U, and that kind of stuff. But I find that my uh, it's almost not fair at times when you go out there and you start doing the the the, the, the summer wood bat leagues because your your strike zone gets a little bit wonky because you're you're going from the different levels here and there. And I find that for me that it, it, it sometimes it takes me an inning or two to get to the strike strike zone where it's supposed to be because it, it is two different strike zones at those levels. Do you find that as well? Uh, yeah, in a sense, I I guess so. Would you like to hear kind of how it is pre-game for me? 100%. Um, I'm pretty well liked by catchers. Uh, most of the catchers that I get, at least probably 99.9%. Like, there's always that one that might have some kind of problem with me. Um, everybody gets one like that. Um, but before the game, I typically let the catcher know ahead of time, like, if it's not bottom of the kneecap, like touching, okay, that means, which is what I go over on TikTok so much, people call it a ball when the ball hits even the line. Let's just go off the square. That's inaccurate on TV. Okay? Yeah, it's. <laughs> Let's just go off of it. If it hits the line but it's not inside the box, people call it a ball. That's not it. Line it up with the knees, you know, like a regular strike zone. If it's not somewhere right there and at the belly button, like I tell them, it's a ball. So they pretty much know. What that does for me throughout a game is that eliminates any kind of problems I can have from the beginning to the end with the catcher getting frustrated with my strike zone. Yeah. The, now. Sorry, go ahead. Now, if I mess up and I miss one or something, I will – more than likely, like 90% of the time, I'll cut up about it with the catcher and be like, dang, I blew that one, didn't I? <laughs> you know, and the catcher will laugh. He might tell the pitcher, pitcher will laugh, you know, but it it's what makes them like me because I'm honest. Like, I'm a human being. Like, everyone messes up. Like, do you think you could sit back there behind the catcher and watch um, 200 pitchers or pitches come straight in that you have to accurately call a ball and a strike on every single one. Like, that's almost impossible. The The odds on that are astronomical because, say, a pitch misses by a quarter inch or a centimeter. You don't know that, but the laser did. You know what I mean? So. That's just it. And like you, you watch you, you watch big league games, and you, you can watch the same game and it has two different feeds, and, and the box will be a different size in, in each one. So that like since they've got like a lot of these uh, teams, a lot of the broadcasters now have the box. Like most, like like ninety five percent of them do now. The box can be really deceiving, and people take the they tend to use that as as a guideline. And I said, well, you got you got to look at the two different stations here because the box is different every every channel you turn to. So it's it's an imperfect science. And calling pitches, it's really tough. And like you said, you, you get. 200 plus a game you're, you're you're bound to miss miss a couple and if we, if we if we got them all right we wouldn't be uh sitting here talking on a podcast we'd be down to spring training right now kind of deal right yeah, absolutely it's uh, right. 
How many how many games a year do you do you find yourself doing? So, from what I've calculated, because I've been asked that question a lot. Um, so, what I do roughly is um, I umpire roughly. I guess you would say eight or nine months out of the year. So, if we call it eight months, I do umpire every weekend, every week, somehow, some way, I umpire. Um, that's typically how it goes, unless Chattanooga turns into Seattle, how it's been all winter here. <laughs> um, but um, it doesn't do that in the spring and summer usually. But um, anyways, I will call every weekend pretty much. So I do about 10 to 14 games a weekend. Um, a lot, A lot of times I'll get called – like when I when it comes to college and stuff, for instance, I can tell you this: when mid June or mid May, towards the end of June rolls around, and these guys get out of college and stuff and have to play college uh, summer ball uh, because their coach made them and stuff like that. I've heard all the stories, by the way, but um, when they have to play it. And I umpire, like, I'll call that all the way up until November. So you're looking at, I'll go on a Friday, I'll leave Chattanooga at about 6.30 in the morning and get to Maryville, Knoxville, Johnson City, wherever I'm going, get up there and get get ready. They pay for your hotel, your gas. Uh, most of the time, your food's covered. Uh, up in Knoxville, um, they definitely cover food and hotel for me and whoever I bring, but, um, yeah, we'll call 10 to 14 games most of the time. Um, so, I mean, it's rough. You know, you're looking at, if you do a Saturday and Sunday and put the hours together, you're looking at 27 hours on the field out of 48 hours. That's a lot. That's a, that, that is a and lot. That, and, and you got to deduct your sleep for two days, which is like 12 of those hours. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, yeah. (laughs) Depends what you get yourself into on a Saturday night in Chattanooga or in uh, Knoxville, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. And you're pretty much like, once you're committed to doing it though, you pretty much don't have a choice but to do lots of games because they're, I'm sure you guys have the same problem that we, that everybody has right across the the country. And I'm in Canada. The same thing, like just a, a lack of bodies doing it, a lack of people wanting to do it. Do you guys have that same problem? So we do. But one thing I've noticed about me and my um, and, and my TikTok, my Instagram, and how it's grown and how people have actually watched like the umpiring videos of mine, yeah. you know, like that are in my playlist, uh, things like that, like, it's made people want to come umpire. So I've actually been able to recruit um, two umpires that are 15 years old. I think they turned 16 at the end of the year. Um, they actually play for uh, a select ball travel team that gave me my nickname. All right. Um, right on. Yeah. They, and they were the river Hawks, the Chattanooga river Hawks. Um, they gave me my nickname a few years ago because they could never remember like my real name every time during every game. Um, and uh, it's Coach Sean Beavis and Ralph Patey. 
uh, two of the greatest people I've literally ever met in my life when it comes to going out there and playing ball. They're there for the kids, man, like 100%. And, and all those kids are going somewhere. Them and Mark Bells, same way. But, like, they um, they gave me my nickname, and now it's turned into this. And now two of them want to go umpire this year to make uh, some extra money. You know, they're teenagers. Uh, they obviously know that I started whenever I was 11. But so what I did was I hooked them, and one more that is somebody I went to school with, I hooked all three of them in with uh, a recreation that needs umpires this year. Um, which I've umpired for in the past. Um, so they're three umpires heavier now, and they're only like, like two umpires now for the season. So we have a huge shortage. I just hope that I am able in some way, shape, and form to show people every single aspect and every single point of view from an umpire's angle. You know what I mean? Yep. Provide them with the content that they want to know about. Like even the fans in the stands, they're always yelling when umpires are talking. They're always yelling when an umpire is talking to a coach. They don't know what goes on inside that circle. So I'm here to provide that to you. Get well, what I'm you, saying? Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a great idea what you got going on there. Any any way you can, uh, any way people can help the the the, the, the great art of umpiring, I guess is one way to put it because it's a, it's a, it's a forgotten thing. It's, it's, it's funny when, when seasons start, uh, you, the, the coaches have, they have their teams made, they have their tournaments ready to go. They have everything going. And, oh, we forgot to get umpires. And it's that way. It, yeah. they're, they're just forgotten about all the time. That, and all of a sudden the phone call comes out or goes on Arbor the night before or whatever it may, may be to get guys to go. It just seems to be a forgotten thing. That's one thing that we're trying to do where I am is, uh, is get guys and recruit guys a little bit and get, and try to get players because everybody wants to play forever, right? And, uh, and sometimes yeah. you just can't and you, and you run out of games to play, but you can always umpire and you try to get and make it, uh, try to make it, uh, and it's, I shouldn't say it's not cool, but it's not the coolest thing compared to, to being a guy who can throw 90 on, on the hill. Right. So it's, it is yeah. a tough thing to get guys to come out. Like when you get, when you get going yourself and I'm not talking about the guys you're recruiting, like what do you do to get ready for the season to say, okay, I haven't seen a pitch or I haven't done this for a little bit. And uh, I might be a little bit rusty. Cause as we get older, we get a little bit rusty. The eyeballs start to wander a little bit. What's uh, something that you uh, do that you're starting to do now to get ready for the season? Nothing. <laughs> you want me to be honest with you? There's yeah. nothing because you want to know what it really is. Um, it's the fact that the second that I get dressed again, all right, then everything starts to come back to you from last season. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Then you walk out on the field, you have your coaches meeting, which is always jittery. Listen, I've been doing this over 20 years, and I'm telling you right now, it's still something that people get nervous about, like even as an umpire. A lot, a lot of umpires worry about their meeting that they have before the game because they're afraid that it's going to show that they're weak. And that's not it. It's, but you're supposed to be nervous. And, and you know? Nervous anticipation for sure, yeah. Jittery, yeah. There's no doubt right. but, but you're supposed to have all the adrenaline pumping at the same time. So as long as you can treat yourself, train yourself to – have the adrenaline pumping at the same time, like, okay, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to do this. You know, it takes, it takes three warm up pitches 
for me each season. I have never told that to anybody. Never. You are the first person, and whoever <laughs> watches this, y'all are the first people to ever know that about me. Every single season, I don't get behind the plate for a scrimmage game. I don't get behind the plate for a warm-up. I don't get behind the plate for anything for umpiring. I go out there for the very first game, and the very first three warm-up pitches, I get behind the plate. Yeah, I, I take two from either side. Just uh, I, I, I'm, I, I take four for left-hand, right-hand kind of deals. What I, is what I do, yeah. and I'm ready to go. Okay, yeah, this is what it is, and you can you kind of screw not screw around, but you you, you, you kind of uh, like how I get through the home plate meeting is you, you joke around with the, the two coaches a little bit, and then have a laugh and BS a little bit and get yeah. it done. And that that's the way I kind of hide my nervousness, I guess, is by by being uh, a little bit uh, different. And then okay, when I get locked in, like I see those pitches in warm. Okay, now I'm ready to go, and you have your little conversation yep. with the catcher, and then then you're ready to, to set it up there. Uh, we everybody hears of all like I like umpiring. I don't like you don't. I don't get a whole bunch of trouble anymore. No matter what level I do, I got got, got enough respect. I guess is the whole bit. And uh, baseball season may be coming to an end, but real baseball players never have an off season. Plate Crate is baseball's number one baseball subscription service and is a perfect monthly baseball gift that delivers a box of baseball treasure right to your door. Every Plate Crate contains six to eight unique baseball items including gear, snacks, training aids, accessories, and apparel. Plate Crate has a different monthly theme and has a retail value of $85 per crate. Plate Crate also has clothing and accessories for coaches and parents as well. Just click on the Plate Crate banner on our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or our Twitter account and receive 20% off your order with promo code FASTBALL20 at Plate Crate. Plate Crate, inspiring every baseball player, young and old, with baseball's number one subscription box, one Plate Crate at a time. A little technical difficulty there. The old wireless stuff where it runs out of battery now and then. We're back to the tattooed up here on uh, the Hateful Umpire podcast. Like I was saying there, it's uh, you get the nervousness out of the way early, and you and you get it, get out there, and you see some pitches, and and things things usually go well. But there are there are times where they they don't go so well. Uh, is there some things that you still think like before you get to you before you go with? You said I think it was in June or July. You're you're heading out to that, that MLB camp. Are there still some things once in a while you say I could have done this better? I could have been, been in a better position here. Like, is there still a few things even you've been doing it for twenty whatever years that that you, that you know you can work on night in night out? Uh, so I got sent to the hospital this year. Uh, I messed up, uh, behind the plate in one game. Uh, a pitcher threw a curveball. It was going about, I think he was throwing, he was throwing somewhere in like the high eighties on his fastball. So, I mean, I guess his curveball was probably anywhere from like 76 to like 82, maybe. Depends. But, um, it broke early, and the runner was stealing from second to third. This is a championship game, and I turned my head to watch the play at third because I thought the catcher would get it cleanly, and he didn't. And it hit me about right here Oof. behind my head. Yeah. So it threw me up against the fence or whatever. I don't remember too much. Um, I actually umpire with one of the coaches of that team <laughs> and uh they i mean my head swelled and everything it hit me pretty hard so one thing that i can work on and one thing that i can tell people for sure you got to stay still 
if you don't, you got to trust your catcher and your gear. Even if you get hit, even if you get hit, you the very next pitch, you still have to trust your catcher and your gear because that can happen at any moment. Like I've been doing, think about it. I've been doing this over twenty years, right? And I've had a lot of shots straight to the face mask, but that means that I'm doing correct. Even if it shakes me a little or whatever it is, because I've been hit 95 straight to the face mask off a bat. Uh, I've been hit like that twice, and it doesn't feel good. That's part of why I post the TikToks I do, (laughs) but um, (laughs) it doesn't feel good. But, um, But I can tell you that, like, that means I'm doing something right. But where I turned my head, that was wrong. and. That's something I need to work on. Uh, There's honestly nothing else. I'll tell you, somebody told me at the beginning of last year after I did, I think I did six of the eight games. I did six of them on the plate. The last three were the ones that were on Sunday, and they were the three final games. The last one was the championship, and it was 14-year-olds. they told me that I needed to be confident enough to carry myself and tell people that I am one of the best umpires that you'll get on the field. But it's because I know the game and I know how to act. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I know how to I know how to treat people. I know like there's so many things that I do different than other umpires. And and if you're an umpire and you're going out there and you're just going out there to make money, you're never going to succeed. And you're not going to be good at this job. Like, I'll tell you that ahead of time. Uh, but if you're an umpire that loves the game of baseball and you want to see it done right and you want to make money, this is the spot for you. Yeah, we 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 have a we have our we have a bi-weekly clinic here in Southern Alberta that we've been doing since last October, and uh, everybody we start and put all the things together, and we have okay this now now you do this you do and it all all coming to a head because the games start here while well, we got a ton of snow and it's really cold <laughs> the last couple of days yeah. it turned got out horrible here we thought we were home free for the winter time but it didn't it didn't uh, not 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 so lucky but we finally had a situation where we're, we're okay. Where we, we got we started talking about the negative the, the negative aspects of the game and the way the way that it is, but a lot of times like and like it's parents and coaches and players can be crazy. There's no doubt about that. But if an umpire does his job properly, uh, they normally don't get yelled at and they 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 don't have have those problems. And and everybody wants to blame the coaches and parents and players for being a bit crazy because they can be like let's not kid ourselves but if if an umpire does his job properly and gets gets the rules right and is in in position you're going to get some wrong i i I totally understand that but if you if you are in position and you're working hard out there and you have a a, a love of the game you're not going to get yelled at by anybody correct that's i mean well for the most part there's always that there's always that outlier but yeah there's always that one there's always that one that, like, whether everybody else likes you or not, they're going to find something about you. And you just got to learn to ignore it, you know. Now, you, you did say something earlier about injection. Um, 
not on here, but like when we spoke before, yep. I ha- I have a great ejection story for you. Love it. That lines up. That lines up to today. To like, I'll probably see him in March. Okay. Yep. But um, I'll tell you, I was umpiring. This was probably one of my last twelve U games, and I was umpiring behind the plate. And the batter that came up was the coach's son. Uh, the coach is a high school coach. I'm going to leave the high school in name just in case. Um, just in case he wants it like that. He knows who he is. Um, and so I'll probably send this podcast. <laughs> but um, anyways, his son was up to bat, and I called a strike. But now, you got to remember it's 12U to begin with. So you got 60-foot bases, you know, like everything's different um i call a strike which i thought it was really strike anyways he takes his bat and he points takes his bat and sticks it in the dirt points where it was yeah so i called time and i walked up to his dad who's the head coach and i was like listen (laughs) it's like it's okay if he turns around and doesn't like the call. But when he says something or he points, I got to say something. That's a warning for unsportsmanlike conduct. And he's like, no, I completely understand. He shouldn't be doing that. He goes up, talks to him, blah, blah, blah. Next, next thing you know, uh, we flip the inning. He goes out. He's playing second base. Ball gets hit like up the middle. And he goes and dives for it and gets it. But whenever he takes it out of his glove to flip it, he flips it past the shortstop that's going to make that out of second turn to double play. Well, he takes his hat and he launches it and then takes his glove and launches it. So I called time and I ejected him. And, like, his mom was furious, like, in the beginning. Like, furious in the beginning. I guess she didn't know anything that was going on. Yeah, you know, and didn't understand why her son just got ejected for throwing his glove. Like I can see it from that point of view, you know. But whenever I tossed him, I turned and looked at his dad, and his dad was like, "Come on, I told you." And I was like, "Dang!" Like I didn't expect that, you know. I expected his dad yeah. to come out ranting and raving and guns ablaze a little bit. Yeah, man. After the game, this man came up and thanked me for doing that. Uh, his his wife, the very next weekend, I'm up there calling at Bicentennial Park in Athens, Tennessee. And his wife comes up and talks to me and says she didn't understand at first, but then she watched my TikTok that I made and understands where I'm coming from now. And that specific TikTok, I think I have like maybe 8,000, 9,000 followers when I posted it. And it got like 117,000 views. Um, it was pretty high up there. It's one of my first like umpiring TikToks of me telling the story. And um, and like I've got mad respect from that kid every single time I've seen him. Well, it's, every it's, single it's time. A, a learning experience, whole, right? Yeah, exactly. His whole attitude, his whole. Everything towards the game has changed. If he strikes out, 
No slam in a helmet, no slam in a bat. If he makes an error, no slam in a glove, no slam in a hat. He turns around, kicks a little spot of dirt, and then gets ready for the next one. And, and to know that me as an umpire did that because I had to do one of the worst things you can do on a baseball field, that makes me feel pretty good about what I do. Yeah, throwing a kid out of that, that, at that that age group, it doesn't. I don't think it does anybody any good. I had the same kind of situation. I think it was last summer where same thing. A kid drew a line in the in the sand on me on a pitch he thought was inside, and I I said don't, and I just said don't do that. Like do not do that. And then I mean, like, you're supposed to because it's an automatic ejection. And then so the coach yeah. he didn't know what happened, and he 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 came to me. He goes, "What are you talking to my players for?" And I said, whoa, man, here's, here's what happened. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> so I said, I could have kicked, I could have kicked little, little Billy out of the game, but the, the money that his parents spent to get here and the, the hotels and the lot on and on and on, I'm sure that their parents would rather them, the kids stay in the game and me give them a little bit of grief than them uh, having to go to the, uh, go to the showers a little bit early. So it's funny when, when you do get a coach afterwards when they hear what the real story is a lot of times they will be and, that, and that's why i was saying earlier if you're not a cop out there and just go and officiate the game and just let cooler heads prevail right. you'll have a better time of doing it except you, you got you get too many guys who go out there with a chip on their shoulder and they cause more problems than than they're worth and i don't think like the way you sound like you you uh you umpire games that it's it's the right way of doing things I try to, man. Like I go out there and I try to make it fun too. Like I, like when I walk on the field, you know, every umpire when they walk on the field, they know that all eyes are on them, and and it's only from that point to the plate, pretty much. Like once the ball game starts, the eyes are not on you. Yes, they're on you at the beginning because you're walking on the field. They're ready to get the game going, so on and so forth. Well, I try to speak to the kids. Like, and when they're 15, 16, I don't necessarily treat them like they're kids. I'll try to treat them like, hey, you know, like you're a young adult. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you got to straighten up. I think the biggest intriguing part of like that video that I made or me throwing the kid out of the game, I think the most intriguing part was when I decided to tell people that like, if you don't fix it now, because that was the biggest thing, parents need to fix it. If you don't fix it now, what makes you think that some college is going to want that? Like, what makes you think that some private school is going to want that? You know, they don't, they don't want a kid that's like that. That's not what they want. And, and like, they'll never get picked to go to a good college. With that attitude, I watched somebody that had a King Griffey Jr. swing that I grew up with the year behind me. Uh, Baton Average probably finished out somewhere around my head, maybe. He struggled his junior year, but, which was my senior, but had one of the prettiest swings you'll ever see in the game of basketball. He got stuck going to Cleveland State 